0: By the way, that's you're in the show, not you're in the show. That's a you're in the different show. production we won't be discussing or here. Or Aaron in the show. Well, there you go. Um, welcome, everyone, to Academia Giallo. <laughs> we
1: were live? Shoot. <laughs> yes,
0: yes. We're talking about uh, titles and urine shows. I don't know what's going on here, but uh, that's a little behind-the-scenes chatter that we'll leave uh, on the table. We're going to be talking about the Cat O Nine Tales from Dario Gento, 1971 AC, we've finally done it. We found a trilogy that we're actually going to complete for once. <laughs>
1: True, we, but we did it in, in, you know, out of order as per usual. So,
0: yes. Um, so, last uh, last month we talked about uh, Four Flies on Grey Velvet, <coughs> which was the third of the of Argento's so-called animal, I, and I think erroneously erroneously called. It's ironic that I'm saying erroneously erroneously, erroneously yeah. uh, called the animal trilogy. Um, because, again, I'm not convinced that flies were animals. But we'll l- overlook that. We're talking about <laughs> undisputed animals here. You had a whole month to ones. Google this, Ian. I That assumes <laughs> I had time during that month to Google it. Hey, Ian, The answer is no.
2: Yes. Hey, uh, do you know, like on a, on a lighter note, how many people are <laughs> making love at this exact moment? <laughs> That's
1: right. That's right. But, you know... Uh,
0: argento is nothing if not the master of the of the pickup line and and once again she was she came ready to play she's like oh really let's yeah what was he said i'd hate to lower the quotient or something like that (laughs) anyway we're getting way ahead of ourselves here uh
2: 780 by the way
0: (laughs) and that was 1971 numbers right right? Uh, What what is that number adjusted for fellation? Mm? Anyhow what um, I know right I just made that word up possibly so we're here uh, we got a full class this is wonderful I'm Ian Simmons of kicking the seat uh, as we've mostly got everyone with their little headline pills up we've got uh, AC from Horror 101 with Dr. AC we've got John Kitley from Kitley's Crypt, J. Blake Ficarra from Scored to Death and we have Brian from the Giallo Room uh welcome everybody this is the first time i think we've had a full house in quite a while so i'm going to enjoy the hell out of this and hopefully you will too so um hmm, i'm gonna go around the class and see who wants to brian give us the synopsis <laughs> Cat and Nine Tails. Oh, yeah i could beat
3: see, you without I got reading that. from the back of the arrow blue <laughs> got the nov- novelization
2: baby oh, yeah. oh, oh my god you can, you, can you put that one closer thing? yeah can you put that one closer oh my god that's amazing wow
4: now, now turn it to That's page so one
2: yeah. <laughs> hey can he That's read it. the intro on that thing I just want, want to hear what night. it sounds like you don't
0: you
3: want well, to hear me read trust me
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> well I do want to I, since you brought up the book I would like to ask um, sort of about the adaptation of that now was it because this is not a, an original Argento story right uh, it was a I guess like three people are credited as the writers on it. So was this a novel that was turned into a movie? Was it kind of co-written as the movie was going on, as sometimes happens in films, or what's the deal, Blake? And, and then, Brian, you're not off the hook. I'm going to get you to synopsize this movie. So, Blake, kick it off.
3: <laughs> uh, best of my knowledge, it's not based on a book, even though I think there's a German book of the same title, but I don't think it's actually based on that it's my understanding that it was uh based on or inspired by an article in an american scientific magazine that talked about this xyy chromosome stuff and uh and uh the Darnado sacchetti had read it and found it interesting and pitched the idea to argento and they then they he and Sargetti and uh his writing partner wrote like a seven page uh you know, like outline for it, then Argento wrote like a forty-page kind of uh, treatment for it, and then I guess it became a script after that. The novelization is very much a uh, a novelization of yeah. the movie, okay? Uh, but like, like many novelizations, has like a, it hits a lot of the same beats, but a lot of the details are kind of different. Like the ending is different, and also hmm. different from the the ending that was excluded from the film like uh carl malden's character isn't like an ex uh like a newspaper guy he was he is like a puzzle maker and it talks about how his his wife died in the same car accident in which he lost his sight Mm -hmm. and and they talk about that in the book and laurie's not his niece it's his granddaughter who's and her parents are like on vacation (sighs) (laughs) <laughs> and
0: left her. Oh, I <laughs> thought you were him. gonna say they were also killed in the car crash that <laughs> took his wife and his. it's a really no.
2: big crash. <laughs> no, they just so, went uh, on vacation somewhere. And, <laughs> and yeah, they like, like, they're, they're, off, they're off on
3: vacation. <laughs> on vacation. <laughs> yeah. And uh the uh the sex scene in which we alluded to earlier
0: is uh much more graphic in the novel. And uh oh. it would kind of have to be. It's one of the no pun intended stiffest sex scenes I've ever seen. <laughs> but, <laughs> wow, but we'll get to that. Um yeah. Yeah. All right, so, is i mean is it i don't i assume it's out of print because it looks like you've got a vintage copy there but if one were to find it and say a used bookstore is it worth the read
3: uh know i don't know i i've collected many things over my years and have about 10 years ago or so i started doing the novelization thing and i luckily i got into it when it was still inexpensive when nobody cared Mm -hmm. about them and then a couple years later they got like really expensive (laughs) So I probably got this for, like, $5, and now it's probably, like, 70 I don't think it's worth that much money, but uh, right, right. if you happen to find it cheap, sure. I mean, if you're a fan of the movie, I just thought it was, like, a novelization of an Argento movie seemed like a very cool thing to me when I found it. So, oh, 100%. If you're, uh, if you're, it's, you know, considering that the whole Jallo thing is based on a literary uh, yeah. form, to have, then, a Jallo written based on a film it's very kind of weird and convoluted but uh sure I mean if yes it's worth it although I will say it's not well written at all and
0: no <laughs> offense. So it's it's sort of <laughs> no with the to film. That. No. Um sorry <laughs> I look I'm I'm throwing a little shade at the movie because it's a very strange picture. And to me it almost falls into that conversation we've had on the show borderline like is this really Giallo um I, I barely seems to me like an Argento film. I am totally willing to be proven wrong here during this conversation. But before we get to wow, that, wow. Brian. We're,
2: we're, we're Brian, already but, making assessments of the film. <laughs> I'm
0: just trying to set the table. So what, Brian, you've got the Arrow <laughs> Blu-ray, so I imagine you're a super fan. Um, well, here, let me show you what kind of
2: super fan I actually am here. Of course, it's Mm. signed by Dario Argento. You Mm. son of a wow. And it's it's funny because this it's been said like in interviews that this is his least favorite film. So I kinda wanted to see like if he would give a look once I like unrolled the the poster for him to sign. And he kinda did one of these like (laughs) And then, like, he signed it or whatever. (laughs) So it's kind of funny. That thought um, was,
0: well, the money's green. No. (laughs) um... So Um, I
2: I thought that was interesting.
0: Cool. All right. So give us us
2: the yeah, the, the overview of it. I would rather listen to Blake like talk about this film because like there's so many things that like so many questions um that I have for this film. Um so basically Two individuals are walking in the night. Uh, One's blind, an older blind man. And, uh, you know, what's established later as not necessarily somebody that's related to him, which is a little suspect as we get into the the, the meat and potatoes of the film later or whatever. But um, they come across a car and there's an individual in the car and he's talking about stuff. And the blind man tells the girl to describe it. And... Then later on, we're like in a pharmaceutical scientific place or whatever. And, and so like this movie, while I see it as like a straightforward um, murder mystery, you know, whodunit kind of thing, it does take a lot of weird, interesting like turns. Like where is that really necessary to, you know, like introduce the X, Y, Y chromosome thing or whatever? Um but anyway, uh, basically, it's a murder mystery where a retired, blind, uh, older individual um, becomes sort of uh, the amateur detective in this film, um, along with James Franciscus of, uh, I don't know what fame, <laughs> great white fame, maybe. <laughs> well, beneath <laughs> the Plan of the Apes. Oh, is, is right, name. yeah. Um, so uh, basically, it, it, it turns into... These two individuals, one is a reporter, one's a retired reporter uh, trying to solve this mystery of, you know, uh, these murders that are happening to these particular scientists. Um, and uh, it doesn't go much deeper than that, other than just a weird kind of scientific, uh you know, kind of plot where it's like, um, basically, it's one guy who wants to cover up that he's sort of like, the uh you know what the research leads to in terms of like him being uh an evil person because he's got this extra chromosome or whatever so he's just basically trying to cover that up with all these crazy murders so it's not necessarily like no and nobody like like the the protagonists happen to just kind of like oh like let, let's turn our attention to this murder or whatever they don't necessarily have anything invested in this so i don't know why like the extra effort you know what i mean but I think there's a lot of charm in this movie. I think there's a lot of cool things that happen. It's Argento sort of climbing up, like, you know, after the massive success of Bird with the Crystal Plumage, he's sort of developing his style and his storytelling in terms of what Jolly are and, uh, you know, Italian horror cinema and whatnot. Um, so I always look at this film as just a very cool stepping stone for our, in Argento's career. Um, so
0: yeah it, it definitely it feels i know it's not part of an official like narrative trilogy but it does feel kind of like a middle movie to me um i guess i was just kind of taken aback by uh, aside from the the closing minutes And i think this kind of happened at, at during last month we were talking about the end of that film uh it has one of the coolest villain deaths i've ever seen mm. um and it's really spectacular. But up until that point, I'd kind of tuned out because there are so many weird red herrings and it feels almost sanitized to the point of being like a like a TV detective movie. I mean, the, the deaths aren't, you know, crazy spectacular. And there's not a not a whole. The train of death
2: is pretty goddamn spectacular. <laughs> the, I, the, I
0: the, the initial shot of like the face pressed against the, you know, the front of the train. It's
2: Nice.
1: And the but, body rolling under the wheels. I mean, yeah.
2: That's come great. On. It's not CGI, by the way. It's not. <laughs> they really killed the a actor. Stuntman.
1: That actor never worked again. <laughs> it
2: was, it was once,
0: it was just a shade above being a shitty dummy. Um, I kind of believe that it was, you know, it was well shot, I guess. But I don't know. Then there was the, the people being strangled and, and all that. I well, did didn't think it was, I'd never seen someone strangled before and their head kind of bashed into the floor, but by their chin, <laughs> I thought that mm-hmm. was kind of like creepy. And it felt very, almost like a weird detail that, you know, Argento or whoever, when they're writing this movie, did some research and found that, you know, there was a case where someone had been bashed in by the chin
2: and, it, you know, they're foaming mm-hmm. at the mouth. Well, the it was weird, kind like, you know, pink,
1: pink blood right. that's coming out. I mean,
2: I, yeah. I, I, Be, I, before, before we move past the, the train scene, um, mm-hmm. I just wanted to ask Blake because maybe he's read something about this and it's always kind of like intrigued me in terms of like the way this film was written and was meant to be and whatnot. There's that scene where the dude gets like run over by the train and right before he's like pushed over, there's a photographer that does one of these almost like, um like an old spaghetti Western, like that shot, you know what I mean? So I, I wonder if this movie took cues from like when Argento's, earlier career when he was writing for spaghetti Westerns and whatnot, if he injected a lot of that into this film. Cause I feel that when I watch this movie in, in terms of color, in terms of just, you know, some of the shots taken and whatnot, um, in particular, something like the photographer just taking that crazy picture of the dude falling. Um, so I was I mean, just I always wondered. He I, he has said that this, that he did
3: apply a lot of Western things too like he always thought of this as like a weird like kind of like western jalo and i think okay he thought of like the blind character as being like a western archetype although i can't think of many that i can't think of a ton of westerns that have that but Mm -hmm. um and that james francisco's character is you know he's kind of more macho than a lot of uh Argento's protagonist at least at this time I, I don't see it quite as much I mean that, it's interesting that you brought it up with that one shot because I can see it in that but he has I, I did hear him or, or read that he said that, that he does think of this as like a he, he applied of like western things to it but I don't see a ton of that in the movie itself
0: it struck me look I, I don't want to give the wrong impression I like this movie It just no it, you don't it, <laughs> it, I, I liked it but I had to kind of recontextualize it in the middle of watching it because it it wasn't, I don't know, creepy or scary or as visually like interesting, I think, than some of the other Argentos I've seen or some of the other Jolly that we've talked about, except for that, that final or penultimate scene with the elevator shaft. I did appreciate it was I mentioned TV. Maybe it's just the Karl Malden thing. I don't know. But I was <laughs> thinking I could watch. Uh, Giordani and um, you know, Franco like paired up solving mysteries <laughs> you well, know, know. around Italy. It just felt I, I liked their chemistry. Um, I liked their partnership. I liked the, the actors uh, investment in it. Um, I also thought it was an oddly funny movie and I felt intentionally so like the train scene. It's got a great capper to it. I wasn't as impressed with the body being dragged. What I did love is (laughs) all these people are gathered around like horrified at this body. That's, you know, cut to ribbons underneath the tracks. But then the paparazzi, including the one guy who got the photo of the, the death and ultimately the killer, or at least a clue to him, they quickly someone says, hey, she's here. And it's this starlet. Who was on the train? She gets off, and all the paparazzi go from being horrified by this body. They walk like two cars over, and they're fawning over some actress getting off the the train. It was like almost naked gun level, you know, kind of commentary on on something or other. And I was all there for it.
4: Yeah, but that well, was I think the, that's, that was their yeah. job. They were there to get yeah. photos of her, right? But.
0: The just the idea that they that they were kind of mm-hmm. caught between these two sensations, right? I, I don't the, think all, I don't know. If they all was... left the body behind to go look at the other body, I guess.
2: I don't know if it was deliberate or whatnot, but like the media often moves like that, right? Like you know, one there's a celebrity death, and then there's like you know the next person that won a grammy or whatever you know the, like-
3: f- the, the photographer kind of comments on it
2: kind of makes your
3: point when everybody's right. like smile 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 he's like go ahead smile some guy just died <laughs> or, <laughs> or something you know he makes some um, you know what's interesting when i researched you know read a lot of things about this movie kind of in prep for this it was it was interesting to see how the consensus of the m- people that wrote all these things you know they they all kind of had the same view on stuff but like, I very much didn't on a lot of what they were talking about. Like, they talk about how that's, like, a joke. And to me, that's not a joke when the, when the photographer says that. Like, like I didn't find that funny. Like, I, I thought it was actually, like, a pretty serious and kind of interesting statement made. Uh, this movie, for it's, it's, me... It's almost is,
0: darkly funny. It's not like a knee slapper. It's just kind of like, oh, that is... It's funny because it's sad and true and kind of true, the attention, yeah.
3: I know it's not... uh the, the general consensus of, of uh, I think Argento fans um, but this is my favorite of the, of oh, the nice. trilogy.
4: Um, Same here.
3: I've Same always here. really enjoyed it and I'm trying to think if it was the first one I saw and maybe that's why mm-hmm. I like it the, the most but I don't think it was. I think I probably saw Bird first. I've always really liked this movie and I think a lot of the reasons why I like it are for the, all the stuff you were kind of saying about it. like I love the relationships between them Uh, the two leads. I love that it feels like a TV kind of like caper, Mm. like in in a way, like one of the things I love about it is that it's more American and less Mm. Argento in that way. It kind of like stands out to me as like this kind of oddity,
2: but with these Argento kind of like touches to it. And um, and like Argento does a lot of interesting things in this movie too. Like you, you, you remember those transitions where like, he's talking about the detective, Um, or like the, they're, they're at his, the, the blind guy, um, Franco, Franco Arno. Arno. Um, and she puts the newspaper there and starts reading it and reveals the reporter's name. And it like flashes three times to like the next day where they go to visit him, like little things like that. You don't necessarily see anymore, like in Argento films, but you see him just playing around with his voice and whatnot, which I love um you know especially like when you go from this to later on uh deep red and Suspiria. it's like you know it's almost like you see the chef just experimenting with different things in the kitchen you know i kind of
3: agree i agree in that you know i always say there's
2: two filmmakers to me
3: who who i think are like auteurs have a very specific you know way of filmmaking and a point of view that kind of really solidified in their first picture, how it was Argento's mm-hmm. one of them. I think of Crystal Plumage is like the template for you know, yeah. like everything that came after it, and it's he's Argento from day one. And Sam Raimi with Evil Dead is like that, right? Too, you know? Right. Everything 100%. that we think of Sam Raimi is in Evil Dead, but yeah. because it's Argento's second movie, like I don't think he's realized that he's mm-hmm. kind of really na- you know found his voice totally and right. nailed it with the first movie. And so, yeah, I feel like he's trying different, he's trying a different thing. And I don't, you know, I think like a lot of filmmakers, I don't think he had this grand scheme of like, I'm going to be a Giallo filmmaker, Right. You
2: know? No, no, he, no. Like, like
3: he, what, like everybody wanted to make different kinds of movies. You know, he wanted to make Westerns and he wanted to do this. And then the, the success with Bird with Crystal Plumage, I were, uh, interestingly, it was so big, apparently in America that they rushed him into the second movie. Mm-hmm. like He needed to come up with something right away. And so, mm-hmm. I mean, I feel like it, it maybe suffers a little bit from that because then there was like a little bit of a break before Four Flies. And I think we we see him come back around to like mm-hmm. really start to figure out what works for him.
0: Uh, well, this, so maybe the fact that out, it was rushed is part of it. Yeah. Well, this came out the same year as uh, Four Flies, right? If I recall, mm-hmm. I think both are... 71. I, I don't know if, in terms of the, the production timeline, but yeah, these, I mean, are, these are pretty close follows. Yeah. I, real quick on transitions, then I want to get AC and Kitley in here. You're yeah. sitting in the back of the class, ducking <laughs> behind the taller kids, hoping Passing not to notes be called back on. And forth. <laughs> well, yeah, as long as you're not stuffing them into the back of a locket. <laughs> um, but uh, the, talking about transitions, um, this is one of the things that I, I loved about this uh, film is there's, there's two in particular. One speaks to the comedy. I, the, the genuine, like, even though it's kind of a, a weird ghoulish humor, there is comedy in this film. But the other one is this red herring bit, which it doesn't make any sense, but it still feels like Argento is trying to throw the audience off key, where, and maybe I'm just reading too much into it, but there's the bit where the killer goes to the car after, I think... Um, uh, was it Bianca. She's like putting the, uh, they're doing something in the car with the locket. The killer gets there afterwards and drops a cigarette into a puddle. We see the cigarette fall and there's a close up on it. And we immediately cut to our hero, Giordani smoking in an office. Then it has nothing to do with, you know, it's not like, Oh, he's the murderer. It's just like this little cue that like, this could be anybody. Mm-hmm. And we're, as I mentioned at one point, um, his would be girlfriend, uh, Anna she's the the sort of not femme fatale um, the adopted daughter wow of the uh, of the head of the <laughs> of the medical research institute who had <laughs> some very interesting things to say about her in his diaries which are discovered and is um, that a
2: wig that she's wearing or is that just the way her hair looks
3: yeah, it looks natural amazing to me. for
2: female hair both are Bianca have like the most yeah. intense, like and then the one the, the the scientist dude with the wavy crazy hair, like yeah, like that comb over weird. that like starts yeah. from here, but he doesn't yeah. look like he's bald. It doesn't look right, like he's trying to right. cover it up. He just... looks like he's got a full head of hair, just the way that he combs it. It's so crazy.
0: And and fun fact, there's only nine strands of that hair that's being combed <laughs> over now. Um, <laughs> but the other the other transition, and I can't remember. I didn't write down what it was transitioning from. But there's a scene where we cut to two men sitting in chairs opposite each other. And there's this one kind of weird hippie looking dude yelling at this other guy. And there's people behind them kind of like cheering them on. He's just like cussing him out, like doing all of these insults. And it goes on for a good almost minute of screen time. Like, what the hell does this have to do with anything else in this movie? And it turns out it's uh, sort of this lock picker guy that uh, Giordani yeah. recruits to help him break into, um, was it the was it medical facility, I think, to look for records? Um, Safe, cracker. or Yeah. And it's a great introduction, but again, it's like so far left field that I was kind of disoriented for a while. Um, but yes, John Kitley, yes. what do you make of the cat of nine, oh, nine tails? I almost said, oh, that'd be inappropriate.
4: Mm-hmm. Well, Um, like Blake said, this is my favorite out of the trilogy. Um, Okay. I love the fact that because, um, normal giallo usually starts with, uh, someone not in authority witnessing a murder or kind of witnessing. I love the fact that here it's completely changed where someone hears something, not necessarily the murder, but they hear a clue. And you have your main protagonist as a blind guy who obviously is not going to see anything. But just from his hearing, he hears something that doesn't sound right. And then the next day when that guy turns up dead, that starts the puzzle. And I just think that's a brilliant setup and something that's quite different than what we normally get. Mm -hmm. Um, Plus, this is probably one of my favorite Morricone scores that he did. Mm. So I, I love, love the score.
0: Well, just real quick, Blake, I want to, thanks to you, I assume, now that I'm thinking about movie music all the time, uh, (laughs) when I heard the music in this movie, I was like, this this isn't another Morricone score, is it? Yes, it was, because I recognized it from other scores that he's done. So thank you for that. Um,
2: It's
0: my job. AC. Well, kind of
1: commenting on the score, because I had the same reaction. I was like, I love all the little, you know, there's there's these wonderful Marconi flourishes. You know, you get like kind of screaming vocals, just kind of like these random but eerie uh, tone setting. Uh, one of the things, I mean, yes, there aren't as many kind of like Argento camera flourishes. I would say that like the the train striking the guy's head and the the ending scene are kind of the two showcase moments in terms of, visuals but what i do like probably you know maybe more so than some of the others is that a we have two likable two likable protagonists whereas you know the uh bird with the crystal plumage he's okay and you know four flies on gray velvet he's not okay uh you know so it's like we got two guys that we're rooting for they have kind of a, a a wonderful kind of bantering relationship so we enjoy watching them together and there's some really great kind of like, uh, as you said, red herrings. But I think I, I like to think of them more as kind of like just there's some weird character flourishes. We meet a lot of really interesting people along the way. And the fact that it's a body count movie, we do get to see. We get to kind of like get a little glimpse into each one of those victims lives. And none of them are, you know, ordinary folk. And then, you know, like we just again and and I, we saw our um who would later turn up as our detective in uh Four Flies on Grey Velvet he shows up and we're like oh that you know like he's introducing new clues there's there's just a lot of fun things happening on a narrative level that kept my attention even though there weren't kind of like the the grandiose moments that we've come to expect
0: and that's yeah that's i think that's a great way to to put it i it's hard for me to think of this as a, as a body count movie. I mean, it's almost two hours long and we get four corpses, maybe five if you count the spoiler alert killer at the end. Uh, not that that's any kind of a measure for a movie. I guess I'm just expecting a bit more uh, and more grandiosity from Argento, which we saw in the kind of the book ending uh, pieces of this. But as you guys have mentioned, what we quote unquote, lose in that regard, we more than make up for in these characters. I mean, I I kept thinking this is almost like a great two hour TV pilot for, yeah. you know, the the Giallo murders or something with our <laughs> with our two leads. And I would be all there for it and include, you know, little uh, Lori, who I was glad to find out uh, survived at the end because it was one of those head scratching moments where I think I think Franco had been told that she was dead. I'm like, wait, did I miss something? I didn't yeah. think that she had gotten killed in
2: that room, but maybe I, was, I well, was wrong. It's interesting because like when I first saw this film and she's like screaming cookie at the end, mm. it almost felt like like um like From an beyond echo the grave. Well, just like an echo of like what she used to call him, you know, and then like it cuts to to credit so i always looked at it as as a very haunting ending like oh no you know um but <laughs> don't, like don't no, make I, me reframe that ending dude <laughs> don't. i've read that like it's supposed to be her being yeah. found or whatever that's
1: why argento added it i mean it really there was a, a closing scene with franciscus recovering in bed and you know his his girlfriend comes and visits him and all that but argento thought it was stronger to end with the death of the killer and he also wanted to make sure that nobody thought that the little girl had, had actually gotten killed. But, I mean, that's interesting that the killer says that he killed her because yeah. it's almost like uh, an act of suicide. You know, like right. he's he's goading Arno to kill him so mm-hmm. that he doesn't have to. What I also think is amazing is that, you know, he has to kill all of his colleagues because the XYY, is it XXY or XYY?
0: x i think it's XYY. Yeah
1: x y y chromosome dictates that you have murderous tendencies and so he's like i have to
3: kill everybody so they don't think i'm a murderer (laughs) like that's genius well that's one of the things i kind of that's one of the things i kind of love about this movie is um i mean in a way if we if we took the film from the killer's point of view it becomes like you know like a simple plan like something happens and one guy dies and then now what's he going to do he's got to kill somebody else to cover up this and and you can see that he like it would be this totally different movie where it's about this guy who's just like digging himself deeper (laughs) into this hole trying to you know really cover up nothing at the end of the day but i've always loved like that like chicken or the egg like thing like Mm -hmm. was it the xyy or is it just like he's so afraid that the xy that like that it he it's going to ruin his career that he ends up kind of fulfilling that weird prophecy. Yep, it's, right. it's, it's not like huge in terms of, uh, it's not explored in a great way in the movie, but I always thought that was very interesting, like much more interesting, um, it, not conceptually as interesting as like, you know, photo, you know, laser photographing the inside of an eye and right, seeing, right. but like, <laughs> but like narratively
2: more interesting. It's a it's a simple murder story about pharmaceutical scientists that go crazy. You know, right? right. <laughs> that should be on the poster. It happens all the time. That should have been your description at the beginning. <laughs> I know, right? Instead sort of that convoluted whatever. I said.
1: Well, I mean, well, but you have you have all these great, you know, like you you have all those great little moments. Uh, I mean, I think. Uh, in this one, I felt like, you know, he earns his, well, earns, he almost, like, demands his reputation as the Italian Hitchcock because there are some deliberate Hitchcockian references, you know, like mm-hmm. when he's carrying, when you see the two glasses of milk being carried, that's a direct uh, homage to Notorious, you know, the stuff down in the crypt. You know, like, he's he's definitely referencing the master on, on numerous occasions. And, you know, like, I, I think, I think, on the one hand, it's kind of nice to see him doing that. On the other hand, like I like when he, uh, when he just goes off and does his own thing, and you go, okay, yes, he can build suspense, and not have to directly reference his influences.
0: I want to ask you about that milk thing, though.
4: <laughs>
0: Warm How long did that milk? stuff? <laughs> well, I just, I want Room it to be refrigerated. How how long had that been sitting out? Because even if it weren't poisoned, I can imagine that leading to some <laughs> nah, great com- it If it, it's all sealed
2: up, it's all yeah, sealed yeah. up. It's, it's That's, how That's,
0: how
1: like that, That's how they serve it. That's how they serve it. And like, it's just, it's sealed. So there, no oxygen can get to it. It can't. Not in this um, case.
4: Yeah. Other than a slow leak. I love
0: that. it. It took a long t- I love that uh, when we cut back to it, it almost looks... Like it had congealed or was like plastic, like <laughs> resin milk or something on the table, um, and I I do love that he kind of calls Anna out on that because during that scene, it's a very mm-hmm. tense, effective scene that kind of takes place in movie time. You know, he it, and Christopher Nolan almost did this in The Dark Knight with the uh, the poisoning of the um, the police commissioners. You know scotch or whatever mm. when Gordon realizes wait don't drink that but by then that point he'd almost he drank it too you know quickly but uh he's putting it together that oh my god there's this I just got off the phone with someone talking about uh, some other thing had been sabotaged uh I've got to be on the lookout oh my god there's I'm gonna have some of this milk wait it's leaking wait it's everywhere wait, she's about to drink it, and then he slams it out of her hand and knocks, knocks it across the room, and it's you know, we don't even see the impact. We just hear it, which is really right. powerful. But later on, when he's kind of questioning her again with this red yep. herring sort of interrogation, he's like, and you know what? Why did it take you a full minute to drink <laughs> that glass of milk? That's very
2: odd. <laughs> that like, delicious-looking yeah, glass of room-temperature milk. <laughs> that tepping
3: she doesn't, she doesn't yeah. know any different
0: but it's it is one of those great things that it's almost like a meta commentary like yeah we're spending all this time artfully teasing the poisoning of the milk whereas if you're just watching it in real time she's like yep just uh holding this here I, I will say that you
3: know i don't want to get too off on the tangent of the novelization because that's not <laughs> what we're here to discuss but like all that all that stuff in the uh in terms of like her being the adopted mistress of the guy, all that stuff's not yeah. in the novelization. It basically goes um, like we don't see after the sex scene, we don't see her until the end of the movie. And she's the one that lets them into the Institute to mm-hmm. find, to find Lori. What is kind of funny in it is a you know in the end of the movie the killer is the one that confesses everything in the book uh Carl Malden's character uh he kind of he had there's this scene where they're with the police because they went and they found out where the taxi driver took the girl and so there's this whole scene they're either with the police and somehow Arno like deduces the entire plot. Like uh, everything that's happened, and he's he's telling the police like this is who did it, and and he and he calls the killer stupid. Like if it was in the movie, it would be like a drinking game. He, he uses <laughs> the word stupid and stupidity like fifty times in this monologue about uh, the killer. And then when they find the killer, uh, he the killer ends up killing himself. Uh, hmm. He's about to basically uh, Arno's like torturing the killer to get the the information out. Like, where's the girl? And he's like, I killed her. And he's like, no, you didn't. (laughs) And (laughs) then you hear, and then like Giordani shows up. He's like, don't stop. Don't kill the guy. And then the guy runs and just jumps off the roof and kills himself. And then it ends with like Lori and Arno like hugging and Anna and Giordani like kissing like
0: (laughs) like crazy, like happy. This, well, it's, it's, it's great that they showed kind of restraint at the end of this movie because it literally ends with a shot down the the empty elevator shaft after the killer has gotten his just desserts. There is no, tearful reconciliation uh we don't find out what happened with anna or jordani or lori and arno it's just kind of done which i, I, I will would say lead into the next episode of our of our tv series
2: <laughs> i will say like while there's not a lot of argento-esque um murder scenes where like it shows his hands actually like murdering somebody it's more like the rope going around or the wire going around Mm. somebody's neck or whatever but it doesn't show that pov of his leather gloves or whatever but when uh homeboy is like sliding down the elevator shaft and he grabs the the, you know the wires or whatever and you see that little shot of just like (laughs) like the the smoke or whatever that's totally argento (laughs) you know um so like there's definitely little touches of just the way that he shoots a certain death scene or whatever uh that you see in this film the
3: last time we were all together was when we did trauma which Mm. was also like visually not the most argento movie and has like a significant like uh elevator shaft killing Mm-hmm. like there's a, there's a lot of last time all five of us were
0: together we were talking about <laughs> a lot of the same things and now we're back talking about enough. Shaft. no um real quick i want to pull over because we've got comments all right oh good yeah so mrs chester hello guys glad to catch a live live and we are happy to have you mrs chester thank you um, welcome it's big swifty 500 best ending ever i was blown away just watched this again this morning for this episode. Nice. Hey, hey cheers. Me too. Um, <laughs> I need to get a social life. Oh no, maybe that's why I'm divorced. <laughs> oh, <geez. laughs> too many of old obscure Italian films. Um, couple of thoughts. I'm not the biggest Argento fan, except for Suspiria, but this is probably my favorite of his. Mm. Funny that he likes this one the least. Yeah, that seems there seems to be kind of a consensus going around this panel. Like, there's there's some love for this movie, even if the guy who made it doesn't can't quite see it. He liked the uh, box office on it, though. He he he, <laughs> he says he's like, oh, everybody likes it. It's fine. I like this one. <laughs> It's he's like he was like the Tommy Wiseau of Italian cinema. Um, no, I I will never make I that, say, uh, that comparison uh, yeah, again. Please, anyway. please,
2: just edit, <laughs> edit that out. <on> <laughs>
0: I never made that comparison. Um, yes, John, fabulous soundtrack by the maestro Morcone, and then just great direction, cinematography, staging. His shots are beautiful.
2: Yeah. Um, agreed. Yeah, just I, the way the the, cam- the way the camera moves in this film, it's just very um it's beautiful in the sense that like later on, right. Like he would actually latch on to a lot of like latest technology in terms of camera, make like filmmaking and whatnot. Mm. Um, but the way that like, you know, and a lot of it, I'm sure is the cinematographer, but the way that he stages a scene is just totally Argento, you know, and and you can see some of that in this film. Well, what really struck
0: out or stuck out to me here is I can think of two examples or maybe three, possibly half a dozen i don't know because um, it was early when i watched this but <laughs> he's really obsessed with the processes like when we see uh you know, Arno at his table in his apartment mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. the with the crossword puzzle or the yeah. the yeah the crossword for for the blind. And he's got these tiles and he's putting them together. It's almost like Argento was saying, "Hey, did you know this is how you know uh, visually impaired people you know do like word puzzles? Isn't mm-hmm. this cool?" I'm like, "Yes, it is." Uh, later on, there's a scene at the the newspaper uh, printing press where we get to see all these this great machinery and you know something coming hot off the presses, which you know we'd see you know we probably seen earlier and later, but it just felt very much like he's interested in a lot of the, I think someone mentioned this, maybe it was UAC about the lives of the people that are going on in spite of this, uh, this murder conspiracy, like getting a peek into people's uh, everyday lives. Um, this kind of felt of a piece of that. Like, here's something that you wouldn't naturally think about, but we're gonna get really into it for a couple of minutes visually.
1: Well, and I don't, I don't think I've seen before the idea of the wet paper being peeled up. I've seen, you know, you see that in movies all the time where they <laughs> peel it hot off the press. But like, I love the fact that it was actually wet, and he's like having to hold it gently so it's not that you know tear it. I was like, wait, I knew that, I knew that the papers were wet, but we never get to see that represented accurately it seems on on film so I was kind of struck by that um another thing that kind of hit me was like in the days before YouTube videos here's how to pick a lock that's uh you know like he
0: had his <laughs> yeah. that is that was one of the other scenes yes with um what was that guy's name he had a great gg Gg the loser. The loser. Yeah. 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 <laughs> he he made it. He won the contest by doing 137 insults yep. without stopping, and then he thought of 138, but it didn't count. <laughs>
3: On a cool. uh, kind of a trivia note, the newspaper that they shot at was a newspaper that Argento worked for before he oh. started mm. making movies, and Giordani's desk was
0: his desk when he worked right. there. Oh, cool! When he, oh. when
2: he worked there, it's so a little bit um, of trivia. That's that's awesome. I love now that. you know.
0: and knowing is half the whatever um i i just want to take a moment to uh bask in the almost unparalleled i'll say it handsomeness of james franciscus this guy i don't like i don't know what it is about him but he was almost like he felt like he stepped right out of like a a marlboro ad or some kind of like Mm -hmm. a suit ad from the 1960s or 70s he was just so perfect And the fact that he's like this charismatic actor and, you know, kind of a fun uh, character and, you know, amateur detective being a newspaper reporter, I was just, I was in love with this guy. I wanted to see more with him, not necessarily
2: just the actor but the character as well Wh- whipping out lines like that to get like fine women with amazing hair <laughs> like we're wearing like
3: there. you know okay when she gets cha- when she undresses I can't couldn't help but think of like oh you God. know the NBA players when they like rip, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they, like, rip off their jumpsuits to get out. she's like oh yeah
2: can we talk about like her wardrobe for a minute because, like, <laughs> we should because so- they got a special credit in the uh, in the ending credits so, some of that stuff she was wearing like like it looked like a pantsuit but it like split o- down the the middle or whatever and just like the way that it flowed like on her body like it was just odd <laughs> like <laughs> like for you, somebody that walks around as like a you know you uh, need a moment brian <laughs> <laughs> please turn turn off your camera now um, please, wasn't, I, I, I,
3: wasn't our, I, go ahead, ahead. like you no know, i was go just gonna say wasn't argento's mother like a. Uh, fashion photographer or something and yeah i mean i feel like he's always had like a weird or not weird but like an interesting view yeah absolutely uh,
2: like like when you from the camera's view of women on
3: on the way he shoots them and how
2: they and 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 like when you look at the yeah the wardrobe throughout his films like you could tell he definitely like thinks a little extra in terms of the look of like females because like i think um the troy howard's book um about argento Um, He does talk about that where like he Argento as a young child was very present in a lot of his mother's uh, photo shoots and whatnot. Mm. So he would see on any given day just models posing at his house or whatever. So that was his upbringing. So it's interesting to see that connection in like his later films when when he definitely like showcases the way a woman looks on film. You know?
1: Well, and that, and that character, I, I just, I, I think, I mean, I know that she was kind of like Argento's second choice, uh, but I love how kind of it's not, she doesn't have a blank, you know, she doesn't have a blank expression, but she doesn't give much away. Like she very much just kind of sits there and there's kind of an intensity and there's a power to not not leaning in and not backing off like she's just right there especially in her dealings with james franciscus you know where it's like i find i find her fascinating mm. because she isn't overly flirty but she's also like clearly up for it if you're gonna if you're if you're brave enough to make the first
2: move <laughs> down she, for good time she's
1: she's, she's ready
2: uh, honestly i think that lends more to her acting. In terms of just being vapid of mm-hmm. whatever, you know what I mean? Like, well, see that's what I, I mean, though.
1: I don't think it's vapid. I think I think that it's intentional coolness.
2: Uh, well,
4: I and- saw
2: it, I saw it very like that's one of the things I bumped into in this film where her she just seemed like she wasn't like all there in terms of just like like when you see uh James Franciscus and the way that he acts, like he's right. very into his role. She was more like detached, so it felt more yeah. like he could have replaced her with a block of wood and felt the same no, no, results. No. I, well, I think
0: I... it's I think she was and I'm not inside of her head, but given where the <laughs> film ends up, I was reading a lot into her performance of her character based on all the red herrings that we keep get keep get thrown at us. You know, she's the daughter of mm. this you know very rich uh, medical guy. Uh, she seems to be kind of working for him in some capacity. Uh, at the beginning of the film. So she's kind of a cool businesswoman type when we see that diary and we start, cause I didn't pick up on the fact and maybe I am reading too much into this, but was she actually sleeping with her adoptive father? Did that oh, happen? I, yes. I think we
1: are, we are lent to believe that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, because that's the implication <laughs>
0: Because from what I got. I don't know if there's a line after that or something, but in the diary, the old man is talking about his adoptive daughter, and like it sounds like from earlier on in her childhood to when she kind of reaches the age of majority, and he's got these lustful thoughts for her. Mm-hmm. I may have missed the bit where they had actually consummated that relationship and she was okay with it. was that where was that?
1: it's it's that subtext. I don't think that's explicitly stated, but I think we're we're inferring that, yeah.
0: well, and that's and that's why I think the, I was following her as the possible killer from that point because I'm, I didn't get that they had a consensual sexual relationship. I thought maybe he was, you know, making advances or at the very least she was in danger because her adoptive father had wanted to do these things.
1: Actually, hang on, because she does say something to Franciscus when he confronts her. He, He says, she says, I would have told you.
0: Uh, well, okay. Yeah, it's like he kind of what if, implies what if, it. He,
3: well, he what kind of told, asks, yeah, and he accuses he, her like of it. He's like, "Would you have told me?" He's like, "Yeah, I would have told you." He wasn't my real dad. He's like, "Would you told me right. that the relationship was <laughs> wasn't just daughter and son?" He's like, "Yeah, probably. I would have told you right, that too." Right. right.
0: <laughs> well, but that's that's the thing. Like, told told what that she was sleeping with her dad, and if she was, how did she feel about that? Because I mean, I got to imagine that's got to be a kind of a weird situation if she's just like in love with the person who's been raising her since she was a little we're getting into some weird territory here (laughs) what i'm trying to say is when when in terms of her kind of coolness her aloofness i saw this as like well if i grew up in that kind of environment mm -hmm. even if you know she was kind of into it let's just say sure yeah the detachment right that that detachment that not wanting to be found out, perhaps yeah. that conflict about having feelings for this other guy. And does she have feelings for him? Or is she just luring him into a trap? What I love is that later on in the film, um, there's a scene where uh, Franco and uh, Giordani go down into this crypt to try and find this mm. locket that has this clue inside of it. At one point, Franco locks Giordani in the crypt, and he's down there for a while, and he re-emerges. Turns out he's got... Um, Franco Arno has a a blade in his walking stick that he now has blood on it. And he had some kind of a confrontation, and this person took Lori. And then we cut to the house, uh, the Terzi house. That's, you know, Anna and her father. And there's a bunch of people there, and they want to bring Anna down to ask her some questions. And we hear something break upstairs. And then she comes down, and her hand is, you know, she's just wrapped her hand and it's bleeding. So I'm thinking, okay, so she had gone out. She was the person who had been stabbed at this crypt Mm -hmm. encounter or whatever, and now she's trying to cover it up. Turns out the joke's on us because she had just broken something (laughs) upstairs. It was a complete coincidence. Um, Also, the last bit of a red herring, there's a phone call that the killer makes to one of the characters earlier on, and we've kind of heard this before, where it's... Sounds like a woman's voice, like these hushed kind of like female tones, I guess, if I had to infer it. But no, it turns out it was, I guess, the the killer trying to throw off the scent or maybe that's just what he sounds like when he's whispering. Um, But yeah, I I didn't have a problem with any of these things because they led me down this path. And then all this other crazy stuff happened to make me forget about those theories in the first place. So I go back and I think about it I'm like, ah, you got me. It was, it was just fun. Yeah.
2: But by, by the way, like I thought it was interesting, the parallels of the two, you know, like the two relationships of the older man and the younger female, mm-hmm. you know, like the, the protagonist versus the antagonist. And <laughs> and just the ways that, um, you know, you could perceive, both relationships you know it's like it could be very sweet and loving and then there's a very perverse dark uh perspective to it as well you know i think it's very interesting to throw that into the mix there's a lot of there's a lot right. of that
3: kind of like duality in the film in terms of like that Arno's yeah. blind and mm-hmm. you know he's the only one that really can that sees the clues, right? <laughs> and, right, right. And you know, we see the close up of the killer's eye, and uh, there's like there's a lot of play between visual and the fact that our one of our main protagonists is blind. It's, it's in a lot of ways, I mean, it's the most one of the more conventional. Argento right. movies, mm-hmm. um, but also one of the most convoluted. Yeah, uh, uh, which is also like a kind of a weird juxtaposition. For
2: this yeah, movie, which I like <laughs> I, a, I a was really, just, I really was just gonna say, way. Like I was just gonna say, like it just makes you think of all these different things. But it's a very like simplistic, you know, in terms of narrative and whatnot. Like it's very. I want to. I, I, I hesitate in saying basic because I don't think it's basic, but it's just the way that the structure flows versus what it, what you come out with at the end. It's just very interesting.
1: Well, we've Um, also gone like an almost an hour into this and we haven't really talked about Carl Malden. We haven't talked Uh, about the film at all. (laughs) We've
0: we've talked
2: about other stuff around. We
0: talked about the milk. We talked about the training elevator. Come on.
2: Did we talk about James Franciscus getting beamed in the fucking head on the roof and how realistic that looked like that? I was actually, I was actually
0: going to bring that up earlier and I got, Cut off or distracted or something. But yes, this has one of those climactic fights where I don't know if it was because I was so caught up in this movie, but I thought that he was going to die. He gets yeah. so bloodily beaten and like rolled off this. And How tall was this building? Because it's like an endless series of ledges <laughs> and, and slanted roofs. Uh, but yeah, he gets the hell about it, beaten like, out of he them. got
2: hurt. Like, yeah. <laughs> like his character got fucking <laughs> injured in this movie.
0: And then <laughs> and then Franco, in true you know detective partner fashion, shows up to kind of finish you know have the actual like final confrontation uh, with the bad guy. They really worked off of each other. It's it's mm. wonderful. Um, I do want to pull over again just real quick because uh, we got some more comments here. Big Swifty says, Baron, <coughs> cough, I mean, Brian, <laughs> how about that wallpaper in Bianca's apartment? Looks like oh my a God. shotgun blast or melting jellyfish.
2: I Actually, I have that in my notes. <laughs> oh, I
0: thought you were going to say you have that in your apartment <laughs> or your, your house. Um, yeah, it's a homage to this movie. <laughs> um, Jonas H- Halberg, is it possible to get Troy Howarth on the podcast? You mean back on the podcast? Um, yes, he's we, coming, we have- he's
2: coming yes he's we uh have
0: he's got uh an in uh, standing invitation um to discuss his um that's it's too far over there for me to grab it but the very thick book he did on on Lindsay, um we gotta work on getting him back on here to to talk about things but uh yes definitely check it out i my memory fails me which episode was he on as a guest what were we talking about it was that ba- it was last february was it a year ago yep what, what, what was the movie? Wow. I'm, I'm totally blanking. I wasn't there, so I don't remember. Your job, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I apologize and apologize. Troy, I'll tell you what. I'm going to do oh, what, you a wait, favor. Averson,
1: um, oh, shoot. What, what was the one with the raincoats and the... the, the oh, little- Eyeball. Oh, Singing
0: in the Rain. Right. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Um, That's
2: no, right, okay. Yeah.
0: Jonas, what I'm going to do is I'm going to have a link to the Eyeball Conversation down in the, uh, in the description tomorrow when this episode gets all edited and stuff. So yeah, go ahead and listen to that and watch out. We're going to get Troy back on the podcast. It'll be fun. Um, and then Martin Caballero says, Hi, guys. Deep Red is being re-released in Argentine oh, nice. theaters. Nice. I'm going today with a group of friends. Greetings. Oh, my God. Well, I'm so jealous. Well done.
2: <laughs> Deep Red I'm going to do laundry today, so I'm super <laughs> jealous. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost the same thing. <laughs>
0: be sure and separate... separate uh, your your colors, um. Oh, otherwise, you'll end up colors a lot of deep dark. reds. Oh, ooh, there you go. <laughs>
2: all the colors Especially of my laundry.
0: All the colors of my laundry. That that sounds like a Giallo title. Um. Anyhow, do we have any closing thoughts? Uh, cool. Oh, see AC wanted to talk about Carl Malden. Like, can we talk about Carl Malden? Yes, um, we can. I'm sorry. I got no, no, Totally I did, distracted.
1: It's. I mean, because I think he was. You know, he was probably one of the, well, it was only his second film, but, I mean, if you look over Argento's filmography, he's one of the biggest stars that Argento yeah. landed. I mean, he's he's an Oscar winner. He's a, he's out of the, the actor studio. Um, I think Streets of San Francisco came after this, but, you know, yes. he, he played a lot of supporting characters, and this was a rare opportunity for him to have a lead part, which is, I think, what attracted him to it. Plus, uh, Bird had been such a success in america that you know it seemed like a good wagon to hitch to you know it's like if you want to do another movie you want to, you want to do
3: dario adento's follow-up movie to crystal plumage i i wonder what like a success in america means because like you know like i don't know anybody who knew about like it my it parents down. didn't
2: my parents didn't go see it <laughs> right <laughs> you know, like, like they didn't
3: know they never heard of that movie. you know what's
2: what's crazy i used to work um like my my boss was Italian and he's actually from Italy and whatnot. And I used to ask him like, because he like he's, my, he's like <laughs> he's like a year or I'm sorry, like ten years older than me, right? So I, I would ask him like, oh my god, like, do you know Argento? Were you there like when you know? Obviously, he was probably a little... <laughs> but like when he wrote was this movie, him and he had no no fucking clue who Argento yep. was, and I was yep. like, you're not a real Italian, <laughs> whatever. Yeah,
3: right. I mean, I've I've for ever I've had like that kind of tendency whenever I meet somebody from Italy I'm like Argento? Yeah. (laughs) Everybody (laughs) No but everybody in in Italy for as far as I can tell everybody you know here like Suspiria is like his Mm. biggest film but there it Mm. seems that Deep Red is his biggest film. Yeah, Everybody's like oh Profondo Rosso (laughs) and everybody kind of like he's like oh he's not that big and then you'd be like really because I heard he's big he's uh, it's like, well, he's like the Italian Spielberg. I was like, I don't know, that's pretty big. I mean, you say,
0: what? <laughs> <laughs> um, Brian, you mentioned that your boss might have been a little kid when Argento was big. That that just made me think of: can we see a, like a kid's version of Giallo, like maybe Big Bird with the crystal plumage? Ooh, I feel like Suspiria is like?
3: kind of that, right?
0: <laughs> yeah. Ooh, yeah. Interesting. Um all right so are we good on Carl Malden I agree I I don't I have not seen a lot of Carl Malden performances well, It's, it's interesting really that like af- him in this movie
2: After this film the two leads Carl Malden and uh James Franciscus went on to do like detective mm-hmm. uh you know TV shows or whatever and I think um Franciscus actually worked uh with a, a blind person or something on his show um he played a blind person on his Oh show. he played bl- okay okay yeah so like it's interesting. I, I wonder like how many of these ideas stemmed from this movie or just like working together, you know. Well another person. I always of knew
1: that to... that, that Lori, the, the girl who played Laurie was actually she had played uh Helen Keller in a production of um, oh my God, The Miracle Worker. So like yeah, everybody That's knew how to play blind, yeah. Yeah,
3: apparently. <laughs> <laughs> I
2: it was, I had a, only, I was had only a, ever doing Carl It's the next logical career step after this movie, you know.
3: <laughs> I had only ever known James Franciscus from like this clip from a TV show that he was in that always shows up in Bruce Lee oh, documentaries, Bruce Lee? yeah, yeah, because <laughs> like I guess Bruce Lee was on the episode and he's right, doing the right. whole right. like be like water, he's doing like the whole Bruce Lee philosophy. And they always oh, show 100%. that clip in Bruce Lee documentary, so to <laughs> yeah, me, it's like 100%. hey, it's that like Bruce Lee guy, <laughs> <laughs> See, I know
1: Franciscus so from funny. Valley of Gwangi and uh, Beneath
2: the Apes
4: and Great White.
2: Great way. Oh, uh, greatest <laughs> shark movie ever. <laughs> yes. Classic.
4: Um,
0: one the one thing I wanted to, to finish off with uh, we we're talking about the the lives of the, the kind of the, the main characters and the tertiary characters we have here <laughs> one of the most interesting encounters and ending with this sad little pseudo monologue that I think opens up to this. <laughs> what could be a great short story on its own? Um, there's one of the scientists that's being kind of followed here is a guy named Braun. And it turns out he visits, um, uh, I guess a gay club um, and he's hanging out there and uh, Giordani uh, follows him there and ends up kind of asking him some questions and things go a little bit tense. And this guy, Manuel kind of intervenes like, is this guy giving you trouble? So you Mm. think there might be some kind of relationship there? And it turns out there is. And later on when uh, Giordani goes to visit, Braun's apartment uh, he gets attacked I I might be getting this wrong but anyway this he ends up in an encounter with this man who was Manuel's lover before Braun stole him and when they're talking about uh, revenge or whatever uh, he says I hope Braun goes to prison if he's involved in this I hope he gets sent away so that maybe Manuel will come back to me because if he doesn't I might just kill myself. I'm like, wow, this yeah, almost as much as that. The the comedy of the, the dozens, you know, insult game came out of nowhere. This like mm-hmm. totally
2: sprung on me. I was like this. This took a, a weird turn. I want to see and that see, story. That, that's what I love about Argento films. A lot of them have like you could definitely delve deeper into a lot of these different characters in all of his films. And it's almost like he invites you to do that because he does flesh out a lot of these characters. You know, it's pretty cool. Yeah. And,
0: and honestly, I still don't know how I feel about this in the Pantheon of Jolly movies. I'll probably have to watch it again because now I'll know exactly what I'm kind of in for, as this happened before. But uh, my estimation of uh, Cat of Nine Tales is, is shot up during the course of this discussion. Um, I do <laughs> want to end with uh, a few more comments. So let's see. Uh, Jonas Halberg, once again, says, I just recently found this podcast. Great work, guys. Thank you very much. Mrs. Chester says, Longstreet was the TV show with James Franciscus.
2: Yes. Yeah, yeah.
0: Was this was that an Italian show or an American show? No, Are it was American. No, American. Oh, American. Really? Yeah. is Was James Franciscus American?
4: Yes. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I,
0: mm-hmm. You know, I don't know necessarily much about these actors. It just it struck me as like, oh, he's another italian actor and malden is the uh the exception no, he here had, well there's he had ve- I thought of it was very rarely an
3: italian lead in an argento movie i mean they're all <laughs>
0: usually american actors totally. so that's where
3: they're trying to sell the movies to
0: is an american yeah. audience yeah. there you go um let's see please do red queen next Ooh,
2: i think that Thoughts? was discussed right
0: no, I uh, I was relish mentioned. the idea. I, I would not it's, look it's, at it on what's No. I was making a bad pun and stepping over other people's uh, <laughs> thoughts. So, Red Queen, I'm going to tentatively say done. All right. And then, Brian, glad to see the Baron is posting again.
2: Oh, nice. <laughs> I haven't talked to him in a while. So, Sure you haven't. No. Um, <laughs> we're just keeping the conspiracies
0: alive. Anyway, we are over time here, everybody. Kitley, how you doing? I'm
4: still here. <laughs> okay. I, I'm waiting for the uh, Friday the thirteenth. Uh, I was gonna say you only have, you're running right. out of time. Yeah, yeah. Right. I'm, you I'm, guys. I've been sitting here quiet, waiting, and waiting, <laughs> and we got nothing. Bet you, bet you don't think
0: I have one, but I do. The train I we're, platform, we're hoping
4: one of the, the two. train
0: platform. Calabresi is the uh, the doctor guy, right? Who gets run over by the train? Yeah. Yep right before he gets hit by the train the camera POV kind of approaches him and he kind of steps up almost in recognition of this person before he gets thrown onto the tracks and all I could think of was hey what are you doing out in this mess mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. wow that's that's a, that's obviously, a you obviously know? yeah.
0: a stretch come on
2: Jesus Christ <laughs> that nine movie years just later. copies the fuck out of Jello you know <laughs> <laughs> yes, it does. Um, anyhow, uh,
0: thanks, everybody. This has been a really fun episode about a movie that I'm growing to love by the moment. Um, and next month, it sounds like we're going to be back talking Red Queen unless there's uh, any hard-hearted objections
2: to it. No objections from this None one? None from
0: here. here. No? Okay. A- any right, well. any
2: excuse to watch Barbara Boucher and her Bouchers? So.
0: Is any relation to Bobby Boucher? No. Anyway,
2: uh, it's a... Water boy. (laughs) Um, I'm gonna leave you hanging
1: there, Ian. Sorry.
2: (laughs) Can I just say, like, thank you so goddamn much for Blake for joining the show and. Beating COVID the rest of you to all be here, <laughs> to be here and talk about this amazing film. So, I,
3: I, I, you're the reason I keep coming back. You're my only fan. <laughs> <right> now, <so. laughs>
0: hey, hey, this is not an only fans kind of deal, guys. Keep that, oh, anyway. Um,
2: wow, thank you, everybody. That's hilarious. Actually. <laughs> <laughs> all
0: right, I am Ian Simmons of Kicking the Seat. We have AC of Horror 101 with Dr. AC. We've got John Kitley of Kitley's Crypt, Brian uh, Martinez of the Jala Room, and Blake for of scored to death. Um, Thank you, everybody. Once again, for a wonderful show. Thank you for everybody who joined us live and left comments. This has been a really lively engagement. We love it. Um, All the information for my lovely and talented guests. Oh, yeah. And by the arrow Blu-ray, I'm so jealous. Uh, All the information for my guests will be down below in the description. And um, yeah, if you like this video and this show, please feel free to like and subscribe and support all of our lovely and talented creators until next month. We'll be talking about Red Queen, a movie I know nothing about, except apparently there's some wonderful Bouchers. And uh, yeah, till next time, whenever that is, whatever that is, thanks and take care. And we are out. Class dismissed. I keep forgetting the class dismissed. What's <laughs> wrong